We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Cash Considerations Podcast, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Iron Network of podcasts. There's lots of awesome NBA podcasts uh, throughout the Blue Iron Network, so make sure to check out everything they have to offer. For us, we're the Bulls Podcast. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. I'm joined, as always, by Jason Pat. Jason, we're just back to talk about our favorite basketball team that makes our lives so much better to follow, to watch, to cover the Chicago Bulls. How's it going, Jason? Uh, I'm doing all right. Definitely better than uh, the Bulls after another just dismal performance last night against the Orlando Magic in a game. I thought the Bulls would win maybe somewhat handily. The Bulls, I think, had won something like six straight home games uh, against the Magic dating back with that probably like a couple years. Uh, the Bulls just beat the Magic a couple weeks ago, 90 to 80 in an ugly game. Larry Markin had one of his best games of the season that, that night. And I kind of thought just like after they played the Raptors tough, We'll talk a little more, more about that game as well. They played their efforts tough. I thought coming back home, they'd maybe they'd play well, and absolutely not. Just an absolute beatdown from the beginning. They lost one one twelve to eighty four. They were down by sixteen after the first quarter. I think the Magic, who have one of the worst offenses in the league, I think like right ahead of the Bulls, maybe a couple spots ahead of the Bulls, put up like I said one hundred twelve points. They shot almost sixty percent from the field. They, they shot something crazy in the first quarter. I can't remember exactly what it was. I figured they'd come back down to earth against a Bulls defense that has played a little bit better. They ended up at 58% overall, 11 of 26 from three, which is 42%. Just a complete beating basically from the get-go. And just another, just another, just like I said, just disappointing showing. Like they've, the Bulls have had games under new head coach Jim Boylan where they've been competitive, but then they've also been blown out. I looked this up. They've in, they've played 14 games out under Boylan. They're five, five and nine. Yesterday was like the, I think the fifth, the fourth or fifth game where they've lost by at least 19 points or more. So like they've had some of these games where they're a bit more competitive. They lost by six to the Raptors only on the road in game. I thought they would get blown out, but they've also just had these awful games where they've gotten absolutely torched. So like it's just been, it's just been tough to just continue watching this. And there was some more kind of some more controversy after this game as well involving a lot of it was around rookie Wendell Carter Jr. He only played, I think 13 minutes. Uh, he's zero points, one rebound, zero five shooting, and Boylan basically benched him the, for most of the second half. And he had some some reasoning after the game about how like 
he want he know you can learn from sitting from the bench like well sometimes you can learn by sitting too boy. yeah and he talked about like introspection blah 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 and it's like and i don't know maybe uh on the athletic his game column last night was just kind of a whole thing about wendell's minutes under Boylan about how and how they've come down a bit i know some of it has to do with his following but like a game like last night 13 minutes i know it was a blowout but like you'd still think he'd play a little more than 13 minutes and uh, he had Carter had Carter played one of his best games of the season against the Raptors the other night, which made it so disappointing what happened yesterday. Just getting barely any minutes, getting torched by Vucevic. What what do you make of what what happened with Wendell Carter Jr.? What has happened with him lately, and just like his whole progression this season, and especially under Boylan? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. His last two games uh, were two of his better games of the season. In a win against the Wizards on Friday, December twenty eighth. He had 17 points, 13 rebounds, three blocks, two assists, still five fouls uh, in 38 minutes on eight to 10 shooting from the field. Bulls win that game. Carter was arguably their best player on the floor. And then a couple days later on Sunday against the Raptors, Bulls lose by six in Toronto. But Carter, another good game, 16 points, 11 boards on six to 10 shooting. Uh, to me, it's completely ridiculous. This thought that Wendell Carter uh, can learn by sitting. I mean, that... That may be true for a lot of players, but I think that we've seen that Wendell Carter is not your typical 19-year-old this year. Uh, really, the number one objective of this entire bowl season should be developing players like Carter, especially with Larry Markkinen missing the first couple of months of the season. Like The reason Jim Boylan is in place right now, his main objective should be to get Carter and Markkinen all the reps on the court that they can handle. Uh, I don't think that Wendell Carter is sitting there after that game against the Magic and being like, you know what, I really learned something by by getting my ass kicked uh, against the Magic and by not coming back in. Note that Boylan did put in Laurie Markkinen uh, when they were down 28 in the fourth quarter. Mo Bamba, the Magic's rookie center, who has taken two spots ahead of Carter, he was playing most of the fourth quarter. That one. It would have been nice to see Carter go up against him as you know two of the future centers in the East. Instead, Carter gets benched. I just think it's it's just more boiling bullshit, man. And it's like, what I keep coming back to is like, I'm just expecting Mike Dicka to like bust into the locker room and like start firing these guys up with some like fake ass bullshit motivational speech or or Lee Elia or. That's like the the that's the cloth that Boylan is cut from, like that fiery, hard nosed, old school Chicago coach. Uh, and there's been plenty of examples of those guys through the years. I think Ozzie Gian was probably one of those guys. Tibbs certainly was sort of like the last one of those guys left in today's NBA. But that's just not going to resonate with players uh, in this locker room or just around the league. If you want to talk about Boylan being under contract next year, John Paxson giving Boylan sort of a vote of confidence already and saying the plan is for Boylan to be the head coach of the Bulls next year. No free agent's going to want to come into this when they've just seen the clown show, the amateur hour shit that Boylan is running. Uh, to me, like, dude, Wendell's got to be on the floor, even if you're getting your ass kicked. To play 13 minutes in a game where he shadow for five, doesn't score, finishes with only one rebound and three fouls. It's just not the right way to be running this thing. And now, do I think it's, like, detrimental to Wendell long-term to only play 13 minutes in this game? No, not really. I mean, he's going to have a long career ahead of him. And even though this season, I think, has been maybe slightly more uneven than uh, than a lot of us were expecting, uh, he's going to have to learn by being out there. So 
regardless of the fact that, you know, Wendell handled it the right way after the game, he said all the right things in the media. He was like, yeah, you know, I just well, I wasn't playing with enough intensity. I have to be perfect out there. A small mistake can kill you in the NBA where it doesn't uh, in college or in high school. I still think that this is just garbage. The Carter's got to be out there. It's inexcusable for him to play 13 minutes. Yeah, totally agree. And like it, like I said, I, in terms of like long-term stuff, yeah, I feel like he's going to be fine. We know the guy, he's smart, hard worker. And like, we, we just saw him play some really good games. Like he's going to have his bad games. It happens to rookies. You would just rather see him on the court and hopefully he does play more moving forward. I guess let's, if we're going to, if you we do want to talk about, uh, something more positive of Wendell Carter. We mentioned those, those last few games against the wizards. I wasn't able to see that much of the wizards game, but that Raptors game, I watched all of it was absolutely hideous game to watch. Absolute, basically dog shit. But Wendell was just really, really good. And just a lot of the stuff in, in terms of he didn't, I think he didn't have a foul or he had maybe one foul. And we saw what he could do as a possible backbone of the defense. We've seen it throughout points of this year. as possible backbone of a good, of a solid defense moving forward, just challenging shots at the rim. The Raptors, I think, shot something like 18 of 36. Uh, it was either in the paint or at the rim. Some of that was the Raptors just missing their own layups. I was noting all game that they were just botching a bunch of layups. Kawhi missed a bunch. Fred Van Vliet was throwing up garbage at the rim. So was Dylan Wright. But some of that was on Wendell Carter just being there, being in the right spots, challenging with his length. Which is something that was was really nice to see against a really good team. Like I, I, I saw, I'm not totally sure like how much this Bulls supposed defensive improvement. Again, the rap, the Magic just beat their ass. Like, and the Bulls have had other games where they gotten their ass beat. But there have been games where they have held teams to low point totals, and we've seen Wendell Carter be a legitimate anchor in the middle. So I guess just like with him, we're just gonna have to hope we see more of those more more kinds of the games like that more often than that where he doesn't foul, where he's protecting the rim, even if he's not necessarily blocking shots, just just altering shots at the basket. Now, I thought he did a really good job of that in that Raptors game. I'm not sure how much of that game that you saw, but that was one of his, I think, more impressive games of the season, even if his overall numbers didn't quite reflect that. Yeah, but, you know, to just tie it back to, like, the overall larger point of, like, what what is there to watch for the rest of this Bulls season? Yeah. Obviously, the Bulls are hurtling towards the top of the lottery. The only question at this point is, like, where are they going to be slotted in? When the ping pong balls get bounced right now, the Bulls have the fourth worst record in the league at 10 and 28. The Cavs have two less wins. They're eight and 30. Uh, And Atlanta only has one more than the Bulls. So it looks like the Bulls are going to be in that top five. Uh, Are they going to be fourth? Are they going to be fifth? I mean, we don't know. We're not out here saying the Bulls should like lose games on purpose. What the Bulls should be doing is just developing their younger players, playing them together, and just seeing where that takes them. Like the rest of this season should mostly be about Carter and Markinen trying to figure out if they can play together. I think there's a lot of people who see Markinen just with the way the league is shifting and is like, you know, he's a seven footer. Should he be a five? You don't see a lot of fours who are sort of traditional big men uh, like Markinen is taking out, you know, the the elite shooting that he offers. Uh, but it's like those two guys are going to need to be on the floor to learn how to play off each other. That's why this is so upsetting. It's like, what the fuck are we even doing with this season if we're not playing Carter and Markkinen together all the minutes that they can? Instead, it's Boylan trying to, you know, teach these teach these kids a lesson. It's like an overcorrection of all of the worst stereotypes people make about millennials. And that's what Jim Boylan is like raging against in his time as Bulls head coach. It's so frustrating to watch. Yeah, it is tough. And I was looking up some numbers. 
after the game yesterday and just we talk about like the young guys playing together and we can act, we'll obviously include Chris Dunn, Zach Levine in that. But I was looking up they they have had some moments lately where the offense has been better. I know uh uh the Wizards game started really ugly, but I know they played a really good third quarter. They closed the game out together. So like that was nice to see even though the Wizards are uh, basically all hurt, although they've somehow won a couple games in a row with like nobody on the team besides Beal and some of those other guys with John Wall being hurt. But uh, they, they've had some stretches of competence. So the, the Raptors game, they had a nice little stretch in the third quarter as well, among a whole bit of ugliness. But looking at some of the offensive numbers, uh, like Lowry, I was looking – I mean, overall, I guess, just overall, the Bulls have, since Boylan has, t- has taken over – uh, there, I believe their offensive rating is something like 98.1 or 98.3, something like that, which is five points per hundred possessions worse than the next closest team, which is the magic. So like yesterday, they like the magic, obviously huge O rating. So they went up bulls were awful O rating. They went down to so a five point difference there in the last, over the last 14 games, which is like, that's insane. Like, and this is with Chris Dunbeck, Larry Markin back Levine missed some time, but he's played the majority of those games. So like, the fact that their offense is just going in the opposite direction, while the defense has has gotten better for the most part, their overall numbers are pretty good. I just saw a stat that said their half court off or the half court defense has been very very good under Boylan, which from the eye test that they have been playing a bit harder, they've been closing out better, doing that kind of stuff. But the offense has just been going in the opposite direction, and, even, and that's even with these young guys on the court. I think I looked up their like four man four man data. I think with uh, all four young the four key core guys was like something in the low to mid nineties. Uh, I think Levine, Dunn, Markin, and we're like at 95. In Lowry's minutes, just himself, his offensive rating, on-court offensive rating is like 97. These are all just really troubling numbers. And like you talk about, we, we're, they're not going to try to lose games, but we want to see some positive development here in terms of at least their their offense. Like we've seen some on defense. I'm still skeptical about how what if that actually how legit that is because we've seen them just get walloped. And like a third, like a third of these games, their defense has been absolutely torched, and they've had a few other games with I think outli- some outlier performances. But with the offense just like not not even stepping forward, it's going backward. Like that's that's troubling to see. Like we're gonna have, to, and I know Stefano also wrote something about at the Athletic about the offense and like being skeptical about it actually ever getting better. Like I'm not gonna say it's definitely not because I think these guys are too talented to not at least get a little better. But it is troubling. And we do have to be patient, but it is very troubling to see just how bad these numbers are with guys that are supposed to be talented. And while and and also like and while I want to crap, I'll crap on Boylan as much as I want. This offensive system is retrograde stuff. Like it also does make you wonder, just like how actually good are some of these guys? Like I don't want to just blame the coach on this and say like maybe the talent isn't quite as good as we as some people think it may be. So like this is it's something we're gonna have to keep an eye on because so far the, the offense has just been a fucking joke and unwatchable which some of that is the coaching but some of it has also been the players yeah i think it just comes down to the fact that uh if the bulls aren't if the bulls aren't developing their young guys what are you doing this year uh i still want to see more chris dunn too it's like we haven't gotten a great read yet on the zach levine chris dunn pairing obviously zach levine coming back from the ankle injury he said after the game against toronto that it was still bothering him. So we haven't seen those two guys develop much chemistry. It's like anyone could tell you watching this bowl season what they need to do is just put out their their five young guys and see if you can make it happen. I do think Chandler Hutchinson's been uh, he's been interesting lately. What have you made of his play? 
uh, because, you know, even though he hasn't gotten a huge opportunity yet, he did have 11 points against Toronto in 14 minutes in that game. He went five of five from the field. He hit a three. Uh, he had 22 minutes against the Magic yesterday, went three of five from the field, only six points. Uh, but, like, do you have any faith in him? It's like the, the obvious lineup here should be done at point guard, Levine at the two, Hutchison at the three, with Markkinen and Carter. Give me that five-man lineup for as long as possible this year. Yeah, I just wrote something at Forbes the other day. I just thought, you need to play Hutchison more. Like, he hasn't shown that much. He's There's oftentimes he's looked invisible. I've compared him to how Tony Snell looked on the Bulls when he first started. Just kind of, he's oftentimes he's just kind of wandering around out there. You're like, you won't notice him for long stretches at a time. But, like, solid defender at the very least. His offense has shown some flashes. You mentioned that Raptors game. He made all five of his shots. Had a couple really nice finishes, especially with the offhand. He blew past OG Ananobi. Uh, and a nice drive and finished with his left hand. So, like, he's shown some things. But, like, he only played – in that game, he played 14 minutes. Despite having one of his best games of the season, he played 14 minutes. Justin Holiday played 40. Justin Holiday, who's been in a huge slump lately, his trade value going right into the shitter. I mean, Justin Holiday is no really future on this team. Like, he's going to be a free agent. Like, the Bulls absolutely have to trade him at some point before the deadline. They should be able to get something for him, even with the slump. Like, I feel like he's probably slumping because he's playing too many minutes. Like this isn't the role for him. He shouldn't be playing 35 minutes a game, which is a career high by like five, I think five minutes per game. Like Justin Holiday should be playing 20 to 25 minutes off a bench somewhere on a contender. Like even if they like, so the front office like needs to kind of fix this problem in itself by just trading Holiday. But if he's for as long as he's going to be around, like just take 10 of Holiday's minutes or whatever and give those 10 hutches. And I know with Portis out as well and with Par- Jabari Park out of the rotation, which is just a whole other just goofy thing at this point that he's not even playing at all. But like, I know they've been playing Hutch a bit as like a backup small ball four, but like just give some of Holiday's minutes to him. In that in that Raptors game, Hutch had a, he had a nice driving basket, ended the third quarter on a, on a three. And then, and then he, and so that was like a four or five minute stint, maybe something like that, maybe a little longer. And then Boylan pulls him and doesn't play him at all in the fourth quarter. Holiday plays all the fourth quarter. Didn't I don't think he scored a point in that fourth quarter. And they asked uh, somebody asked. I think Casey might have asked them. Uh, asked Boylan, did you like? Did you even think about putting Hutchinson back in the game? And he's just said no. It's like why? Like why wouldn't you want to give your rookie a chance? Like throw him into the fire. Like this. It's the time to kind of do, try this kind of stuff. See what he's made of. See if he remember rookie season Jimmy Butler. I know Tibbs didn't play Jimmy Butler that much as a rookie, but like there was, he threw him out there against, uh, I think it was his rookie year. He threw him out there against like Mello a few times and like he held his own. Like throw Chandler Hutchinson out there against Kawhi Leonard down the stretch of a close game and see what he's made of. If, if he gets torched, he gets torched. It's Kawhi Leonard. Like that fucking happens. But like I would much rather live and die at this point in the season. Like with your young guys, like you mentioned, play those five guys as a closing lineup. Play Hutchinson at the three instead of closing with Justin Holiday, who's shooting like 20-some percent from three over the last couple weeks. It just it doesn't make any sense to me at this point. Like I, I would understand if like they were in a playoff spot and you thought that Justin Holiday gave you a better chance to win games. But like right now, when you're 10 and 28, whatever, they turn 27 the other day, like, the other day, like play, play your young guys and give, give Hutch a chance. Yeah, I agree, and I think that that's probably all that needs to be said for that disaster of a Magic game. Just another another contest where Casey Johnson gets to tweet out his 30-point deficit alert. It's like the theme of the whole season, man. The Bulls are just getting their teeth kicked in. You can talk about them making incremental improvements any way you want to, but like even the, the real question to me is, like, are Boylan's philosophies, are those good for the long-term development of the players? 
And that's where I have a hard time buying into the fact that they are like, yeah, they can make, you know, improvements in terms of their defensive efficiency. Uh, but at the same time, you know, the offense since Boylan took over is five points worse per 100 possessions than the next worst team in the league. So even if they are like taking some steps forward, it's like every step forward comes with two steps back. If you have people talking about the way Hoiberg lost the team well, this team quit on Boylan within like, what, three days of him taking over. Uh, So I just have a really hard time believing that whatever Boylan is doing right now is beneficial to the long-term development of the Bulls players who are going to be around the next time the Bulls theoretically have a team that can compete. And uh, with that said, I feel like this is the first Cash Considerations episode of the year 2019. What better time to do some New Year's yeah. resolutions? And so I thought we'd come up with a few New Year's resolutions uh, for the Bulls. I'll let you start this one off. I mean, I guess I feel like we kind of talked about one already just now, about playing the fucking young guys more. Play Hutch more. Play Wendell Carter more. I feel like that's just something easy. You're 10-28. and 28. You're not going to the playoffs. You're heading towards a lottery pick. If you're good, if the season is actually about development, play the young guys it's as, it's as simple as that and get as many minutes with these guys together as possible yeah the first one i'm going to say is just open up the offense a little bit it's like the way the bulls have walked up the ball possession after possession since Boylan's taken over their primary offensive option seems to be robin lopez post-ups it's like dude maybe in 1988 this would have been okay but not in 2019 this is not the way you play basketball moving forward none of these guys are ever going to be in a system again that looks anything similar to this where you're draining the shot clock uh you know slowing the game out down to its maximum extent dumping the ball into the post sort of favoring those looks over three pointers which Boylan thinks kills their transition defense uh It's just all garbage, dude. So open up the offense a little bit. None of these guys are even going to get the chance to develop unless you open up the offense. Yes, they need to be out there playing. Any idiot can tell you that. But you also can't be putting them in a straitjacket when they are out there. So that's mine. Open up the offense uh, for the rest of this season and see what happens. Yeah, and and just to that point as well, like we're not asking them to come out there and like there's some teams like they're like the Hawks, the Kings, and the Lakers are playing at like a pace of like I think like 105 possessions per whatever 48 minutes. Like I'm not necessarily saying they have to be playing like that fast and like chucking all those threes. Like I that's like whatever that's you don't have to do that. But like right now, like last night's game, I think they the game was played at like with a pace of like a 93, and they're like 26 or 27th I think in pace and they're boiling like. I feel like that is just crazy for a young team that supposedly has like offensive talent. Like I, again, I understand like wanting to like work on defense and toughening up and stuff like that, but you can do that while also running a, you are running an offense that can, that can take advantage of some of the skilled offensive players that you do have. And you mentioned the three pointers. And I guess that in terms of, I guess I'll, that'll transition to one of my other ones in terms of just, I think just shoot, they need to do, they need to shoot more three pointers. I know like, you don't want to just get fall in love with threes and jack a ton, but I'm, I mean, I'm looking at Chris Dunn specifically. He's not a good three-point shooter. That's totally fine, but let me look up the numbers again. He's taking like barely any three-pointer. It's like just a minuscule level. Like yesterday, Chris Dunn and Zach Levine, your starting backcourt in 56 minutes, shot three three-pointers. Like that's and like the game before, I think it's the Raptors. They shot like maybe five, and there was one play where I think it might have been Levine with dribble penetration. Uh, somebody at dribble penetration kicked out to Dunn wide open on, on the wing for a three pointer, and he passed it up, and then drove in and like threw up a terrible, terrible shot. Like 
that kind of stuff can happen. Like, so he's Chris Dunn last year. He did show improvement last year. From he was twenty eight point eight percent from three uh, in his rookie year on uh, one under one attempt per game, seventeen minutes per game. Last year he was not good, but he was up to thirty two percent from three and two point six attempts per game and twenty nine point three minutes per game. Like that's. I would like to maybe a little more than that, but that's not not that bad. If he's going to get up to around league average, like I'll I will take that. This year he is down to one point five three pointers attempted per game. He's shooting under twenty eight percent, and he just looks completely hesitant, no confidence out there. Which like I understand if he's not going to ever be a great three point shooter, that's totally fine. But like he's 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 a good mid mid range shooter, and like he's a solid enough free throw shooter. He's up to. He doesn't take many free throws either, but he's up to 80%. He's improved his free throw shooting. He's improved his mid-range shot. So, like, get out there and take a few more threes, dude. Like, I don't know if this is just him. I don't know if Boylan is, like, spooking him out of shooting three-pointers, but, like, they they need to get him taking at least, I would say at least maybe two or uh, up to at least three. He, like, he was up to almost three a game last year. Double the three-point output. Like I said, doesn't have to be a great three-point shooter, but he's got to at least be somewhat of a threat Otherwise, teams are just going to go under screens. They're going to let him dribble in the mid-range shots. And even if he makes a decent amount of those mid-range shots, teams will let Chris Dunn shoot 15 to 20-footers all day. If he's not getting to the line, if he's not shooting three-pointers, he's not going to be an efficient player. As He's shooting almost 48% from the field overall, and his, his true shooting percentage is at 51.7, which is well below average. So like teams are going to let him do that, and they'll be fine with that. They'll let Chris Dunn jack mid-range jumpers all day. He's got to get more aggressive shooting three-pointers, even if it's not jacking three-pointers. Yeah, I think that's a great one. It's like if Dunn doesn't show that he can at least play a modern brand of basketball, I mean, the guy is just not going to be the lead guard for the Bulls moving forward. I think that's obvious. It's like the days of your point guard being, you know, the, the primary ball handler throughout the NBA, I mean, those days are kind of over. Like even five years ago, we were talking about this golden era of NBA point guards. You had CP3, Westbrook, Lillard, Steph, uh, and all John Wall. And all those guys are still around, but it's like Wall is clearly on the downside of his career at age 28. Westbrook sort of seems like he's a bit on the downside of his career, even though he's still putting up triple-doubles every game. And I think a lot of that is because, like, the point guard is not always the guy with at the control of the offense, with the keys to the offense anymore. Uh so it's like done. You got to just realize that, you know, you're not always going to have the ball in your hands. You need to be able to play off the ball. If you're going to play off the ball a little bit, that means you're going to have to stretch the defense with your shot. He just has to improve that. Uh, so I, I think that that's a great New Year's resolution uh, that you brought up for Chris Dunn. I just have one more. It's resolve the Jabari situation. It's like it's going to continue to hang over the team until you – until you either move on for him or put him back in the rotation and give him a clear role or something. We're still going to get news stories written up about Jabari after every game. We're still going to get tweets saying stuff like, well, you know, Shaq Harrison played 40 minutes in this game and we still can't find a place for Jabari. So, uh, yes, the Bulls have other guys they need to play in the front court ahead of Jabari. Yes, the Bulls have a guy like Chandler Hutchison on the wing who needs to get rotation minutes well ahead of Jabari. But then just get rid of them, either like buy them out or trade them for something. Don't take on long-term salary back unless you're getting a good asset, ideally a first-round pick. I don't know if that's even going to be possible. But, you know, at least try to upgrade the roster with assets in some way. Make a decision on Jabari because Jabari just hanging around the team and sulking for the rest of the year is just not a good look for how the season's going to play out. 
Yeah, I, I'm with you. Like I was like this whole situation is I, I wouldn't say I'm getting like pro Jabari, but like I didn't didn't really like the signing. Was very critical of him when uh when he was playing before, but like I w- and I don't want to say I feel bad for him either. Because the guy signed a twenty million dollar contract when he did not deserve it at all. It's like he's making good money to just sit there, but like it's just it's just strange. Like the with the, with the t- other guys that they have, like especially with Portis out as well, just like like does he look that bad in practice? And like Boylan was asked about, like I think Cody Westerland, the score asked him yesterday, like like is Jabari even like be on the active roster like moving forward? And Boylan said, like I don't know. I mean that seems like a sign that like he has no intention of actually playing him at this point. So it's like, yeah, like just it him just sitting around. Like I'm surprised we haven't heard more. Like he he did give that interview uh, to Casey Johnson the other day, and he talked about how. He thought he like he's held up his end of the bargain, blah blah blah. I can't necessarily say I agree with that. Obviously, we're not in practices. Boylan has said that he needs to show more effort in practice. Like his his effort in practice must be really really shitty. Like if he still can get on the floor, considering what some of the games that we've seen lately and the, the offense the Bulls have been playing. And while Jabari is like as he's I think he's an overrated offense player too as well. Like he really hasn't has hadn't or hasn't helped the Bulls. All, like overall offense that much, even though his numbers look okay. But still, like when you're struggling that much offensively, I guess just give the guy a chance. Like I, part of the defensive improvement probably does involve him uh, being on the bench. But like, just yeah, you either play him a bit. Doesn't have to be a main part of the rotation. Play him a bit or get it. Get him the hell out of here. I totally agree. Just it is just a weird situation to have. And again, just another situation where it just kind of looks just the whole optics of it just does not look good. And like stuff where like players talk about it and you and i mean maybe they don't care since like whatever they gave this guy 20 million they gave they did the same thing with Dwayne wade and that was a disaster like maybe they don't care if they're just gonna get paid but like when you just when you look at how it's like a situation like this plays out i feel like it just it reflects poorly on the front office their decision making and now probably on the coach as well so it's just like it's just it's just a weird hot mess of a situation and i mean i guess we shouldn't be that surprised that it went south like this but it's still kind of surreal to see it happening like in the first half of the season already and Maybe it doesn't have to be said, but I'm going to say it anyway. Fire Jim Boylan. Jim Boylan cannot be the coach of the team for the 2019-2020 Bulls. The rest of this year is lost anyway. As long as Boylan can get his head out of his ass long enough to actually play the only decent young talents on this team throughout the rest of the year, that's fine for Boylan. I mean, this is already a disaster, but move on from him in the offseason. And yes, that means Jerry Reinsdorf is going to be paying three head coaches. He still has to pay Hoiberg unless Hoiberg lands another NBA job. Uh, I, d- I think the Bulls are still on the hook, even if Hoiberg were to take like UCLA or something. Go back to the college level. Uh, if that's wrong, someone can fact check me on that. But I believe the Bulls will still have to pay him unless he takes another NBA job. Uh, Boylan only under contract for a million next year. Well, you know, if the White Sox strike out on Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, Ryan is going to have some money free. Just be serious with the Bulls. Get Boylan's reductive backwards ass out of here. This is not a coach that's going to help you grow your young town. It's a coach that's holding them back, not building them up. Uh, move on, Bulls. Yeah, I, I have a feeling, honestly, that they are going to keep him just for some of the reasons you mentioned. He's cheap. They're not going to pay three head coaches. They John Paxson probably likes uh, the defensive improvement, supposed improvement that they've made, and like the energy. But I, so right now, I feel like even with some of the blowouts and the terrible offense, that they're going to end up keeping him. Uh, I guess things possibly could change. Like if if the Bulls just go like really in the shitter, like I am very curious to see what happens on this upcoming road trip. 
Uh, they play the Pacers Friday at home, then the Nets at home, two teams that are playing really well right now. And then they go out west for like five games. Like if the Bulls don't start playing better, they could be looking at like an almost a 10-game losing streak, and maybe that maybe that changes things. But if the Bulls are competitive enough in these games against these good teams, I feel like that's gonna like be enough for for Paxson to think, oh, Boylan's really he's really setting this culture with this defense, this intensity, but I would agree with you. I would prefer that, like, whatever, let them coach out, coach them out the year. They'll lose games, uh, but get they, they can do better. I think that's just the thing. Like, if you want them to be around for the rest of this year, try to instill that defense on how, what it means to play defense to get at least get that mentality. I can at least possibly buy that. But in terms of long term success with this rebuild, give me a coach that will take advantage of these guys' skills that will put them in the best position to play offensively. And because he just he just seems like he just seems like I'm not going to say perfect, but just like He'll get you from what A to B, and then the next guy like will take you to the next the next step. But like, he's just a like a transitional coach to help instill some whatever. Like I said, toughness or whatever. But you, I feel like you need somebody somebody else long term because I mean we saw we saw it in the college where when he would coach in college like he 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 wore his welcome after a while at Utah and like. And he's never been an he's never gotten an NBA head coaching job, and it seems like we were kind of finding out why he just might not be cut out to be an NBA head coach. A good, probably a good assistant coach, a good defensive minded, tough guy to have on the staff. But in terms of like an overall philosophy and running the whole program, I don't, I, I'll, I'll hard pass on that. Yeah, uh, we should look ahead at the schedule. I think you already brought up. I do have, I do, I guess, I have do have one more, I guess, oh, a yeah. resolution, I guess. Just, I guess, I used to talk about just you talk. We mentioned Jabari already, but they need to, and I kind of mentioned this earlier as well. They need to make, a, they need to make some moves in terms of uh, Holiday, Robin yeah. Lopez, some, so, something like that. You, uh, like Holiday, plenty of teams could use Justin Holiday, even in this slump. Like I feel like if he went back to a nor- more normal role and get, and there's so many te- contenders that could use a shooter off the bench. I was watching. OKC, the Lakers last night, and the Thunder, like, with their starting Terrence Ferguson, like, Alex Abrinas is just okay. Like, with Roberson Hurt, like, the Thunder could use another wing, another shooter. Uh, I mean, the Warriors could use another shooter off their bench. Uh, the Rockets could always use more shooting, and Holiday loves chucking threes. So, like, I feel like he will he would fit in there. Like, the Sixers could probably use another 3 and D guy. Like, their their depth isn't, isn't very good. So, you look at that, and his contract is, like, $4.4 million or something like that. Like, even in this slump, the Bulls should be able to get something for him. And at this point, you should take anything, basically. Like, even if it's only one second rounder, I prefer possibly getting maybe two second rounders or maybe a second rounder and taking a chance on a young player. But like Justin Holiday is not part of your future. Get anything for him. Robin Lopez is a little bit harder because his contract is up at like 14 some million. He's not really he's not really a modern center at this point, but I feel like in he could possibly be a backup center on a good team if they need. I know the Warriors have been mentioned as a buyout candidate, a buyout possibility because they really can't have nobody to trade uh, to match that salary. But like, they should try to trade Lopez. If not, to buy him out. Like, get him to some, get him to somewhere good. Do him a solid. Get him off this garbage team. Like, move on from these veterans and get go. I know it's nice to have some veteran veterans around, but like at this point in the season, when you're already ten and twenty eight, your season's going down the drain. Just might as well go full bore with these young guys. So they, they definitely need to make some kind of moves. I also am curious. Do you think there's any chance the Bulls would try to trade Bobby Portis? Uh, how often do you see guys traded right before their rookie contracts tra- contracts expire? I guess it did just happen. Same with Kali Oubre. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, I don't think so, especially because uh, 
Obviously, the injuries. It's, it's too bad for Portis, too, because I think Portis yeah. was primed to have a really good offensive year. Uh, you know, you hope maybe that is a little silver lining for the Bulls, if only because it'll help them lose some games, increase their lottery odds. Also, hypothetically, you should be getting more marketing Carter minutes. Those are the two guys who are really going to be around in the front court. So I don't think Portis is going to get moved, but I'd certainly be open to the possibility. Yeah, as right. It's like I'm not totally sure, like what, like if they. I mean, they talk about how they, he's part of the core. They play. They want to sign him. They're going to renegotiate with him. This is something a conversation we can obviously have way down the line. But like in terms of resigning a long term deal, like he's he basically tops out as a sixth man. I, I am just curious to see, like maybe if they get a good offer, if some team offers like a first round pick, like would you trade Bobby Portis for a first round pick at this point okay. instead of? Resigning him to what, maybe like ten or twelve million dollar deal? Like, I would have to consider that because, like, as as nice of a player as Portis is, like, I feel like we do know kind of what he is at this point. Uh, like I mentioned, probably tops out as a, a solid microwave six six man bench score, which is fine, totally fine. And like, I think like his next contract will probably reflect that. Like I said, ten twelve million is probably fine for that. But like at this point, I'd pro- given that he's not likely not even going to be a starter, like I would probably take a chance on a first round pick. I'd like, again, I mentioned like the Sixers. I feel like they're, they're another team that could probably use a shooting big. I think they've mentioned that they're out for front court help. Like you could possibly look, look at the Sixers as a possibility. So I, I, I would be surprised if the Bulls traded for us, but I think it's something they should definitely think about. It shouldn't be, it shouldn't be an off limits thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I would move on from him if they can, I guess. Uh, but you know, it depends, it depends what you can get. Like what, what sort of contract do you even give Portis? Right, like I said, I feel like ten to twelve million. Because I know, like in terms of free agency, like the Bulls, they're not going to sign a big free agent. Like that's we don't. I feel like worrying about max cap space at this point just out out the door. Like I'd be shocked if the Bulls were able to sign somebody of notoriety because they're probably going to be bad, and there's just no reason for a big free agent to sign there now. So like you still obviously don't want to overpay him too much. Like I bet he came into the year. I can't remember what Casey reported. I think that he turned down 50 million guaranteed or something like that. So probably, probably like that was probably like four fifty. So he figured around like, I missed that report. I I think that's what he said. I found that somewhere. Yeah. But like, that's some serious money for Portis to turn down, especially, uh, you know, sort of given the fact that he's a one-way player Mostly, I don't know. I would. Yeah, I, I found it. Yeah, it was 50, fifty million. It was fifty million guaranteed. Yeah, uh, so like well turning down whatever he turned down from the Mavericks. So. <laughs> yeah, it was like seventy or eighty million over four years, something like that. I mean, I, I figure like he figured he was gonna have a big year. Uh, so many teams have cap space, so you think he probably figured, you know, like I'll put up some big numbers this year. Maybe a team throws me a big offer sheet, and if anything, then maybe the Bulls match it, like something like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess at this point with all these injuries, like I can't imagine him getting anything more than the fifty million. So you figure like four to four fifty, four forty eight is probably would make sense for a one way. Sc- like he, I, I would still consider him like a, a pretty good player. But like you said, still like a one way player, a bit of a chucker. The injury injury doesn't help him, and like locking. I mean, and maybe he takes something shorter for a couple of years, especially with these injuries. Maybe you give him a little money for a shorter period of time. I I don't know, but I feel like he's not gonna. He's definitely not gonna get the contract he was hoping that he was going to get unless he's somehow comes back and just completely goes off. But I don't even, I don't really see that happening, it's but too bad. Cause I really yeah. do think Bobby Portis is a good guy. If you read down yeah. story on the athletic, absolutely buying his mama house. Portis just seems like an awesome dude. And we also know that Portis showed up, uh, at the lockdown bulls, 
bowling event that they did in the offseason. So Portis seems like a righteous bro. I'm pro Bobby Portis in general as a guy. Uh, so I hope he gets paid, and I hope that he eventually finds himself in a better basketball situation than the Bulls because it's not happening here in Bobby Portis. Yeah. Uh, I guess on that note, we will take a brief, I kind of mentioned this already, a brief look ahead at the upcoming schedule, and it is, it's about to get real. I mean, uh, obviously the Bulls have lost a lot of games already, but like I mentioned, uh, Friday, uh, they are home against the Pacers, and the Pacers are on a roll. The Bulls have competed well with the Pacers in both losses so far this year, so I mean, maybe it'll be a close game. The Bulls have lost their last two home games by a shit ton. They, they got blown up by the Timberwolves, they got blown up by the Magic, so uh, I guess if the Pacers keep playing like they are, like that's probably not going to be a close game again. But maybe the Bulls will bring forth a little better effort after getting embarrassed the other night. Uh, Sunday, uh, they have a matinee at home against the Nets. Nobody's going to give a shit about that game because the Bears are playing an hour later. I will not be watching that game. Just putting that out there right now. I'll be watching, drinking and watching Bears-Eagles. So uh, the Nets have also been playing really good right now. They're on the verge right outside the uh, playoff picture. Uh, the Nets won a close game at the at the United Center a couple weeks ago, 96-93. Spencer Dinwiddie had a big game and looked for him to try to go off again. Uh, and then after that comes this five, or I think, is it five game? Yeah, one, two, three, four, five. Five game West West swing. We'll probably, we might get one more pot in before, uh, before that West Coast trip starts. But five game Western Conference uh, swing in Portland, Golden State, Utah, Lakers, nuggets like that's easily that's easily could be zero and five like so again like if the bulls don't bring it this coming next week they could be looking at something like a nine game losing streak and a record of like 10 and 35 or something like that so like it could get really ugly here coming up and and maybe that would or would result in some other types of changes like i said Borland's probably sticking for the rest of the year i can't imagine it would get fired even if they went something if they lost like their next seven games but you do wonder what will, how the mindset of the team will happen. If like if they just go in the tank here in these next couple weeks, will they stay together? Will it be more fracturing? Like it'll definitely be something interesting to watch starting tomorrow night against the Pacers. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that wraps it up. Yeah, I think so as well. Uh, like I said big big games coming up. Uh, this is the, in the new year. Hopefully, new year, new Bulls. Probably cool. not though. We're like I said. I, we would we would expect not uh, definitely uh, we can listen to us all over the place like I said iTunes Stitcher Spotify Google Play like I said we're on the Blue Blue Wire Pod Network now there's a ton of other if you love love listening to NBA podcasts there are a bunch of other good NBA podcasts on Blue Wire as well and I, you can believe you can also fire uh, follow Blue Wire now on Twitter Blue Wire Pods yeah, at Blue Wire Pods we're gonna start upping. Uh, the Twitter game I know pretty soon we're going to be doing a lot of other cool stuff coming up so keep an eye out for, out for that type of stuff so uh, yeah I guess I guess that's all, all I got from me alright yeah I'm good for Jason I'm Ricky this was Cash Considerations thanks for listening take it easy Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. 
That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.